This realm is your realm This realm is my realm From dragon's den to The elven kingdom From the moot of many To the giant snail city This realm was made by you and me Hello and welcome to This Realm is Your Realm, or Topping Tolkien. It's a podcast where together we build a fantasy world one episode at a time for everyone to play D&D in, write stories about, or give as a present to the bookish girl you have locked in your castle. With me today is Benjamin. First things first, he'll eat your brains, and then he'll start rocking gold teeth and fangs, because that's what a motherfucking monster do. Hairdresser from Milan, that's the monster do. Monster Giuseppe heel, that's the monster shoe. I feel honored to have been given the Nicki Minaj verse of that classic <laughs> song. Of course. Monster by Kanye West, the Nicki Minaj feature verse. It's of a course. great reference, I feel, for people who are listening to a fantasy world building podcast. Absolutely. I'm sure it's so relevant to them and recognizable. You know what? I think I'm bringing the gays in with my presence and they'll know who she is. <laughs> they'll know my girl. It's a segment of the audience, surely. It's true. Um, for for <laughs> anyone who's never heard that song and didn't appreciate that joke, I have a second title for Benjamin. It's Where Benjamin, a wolf who turns into a podcast host every full moon. Oh, that's good too. Um, and joining me today is Adrian, a dragon whose hoard of gold is his heart of gold. <laughs> yeah, I'm all about <laughs> warm vibes. My heart of gold is the same shade of gold as the CGI gold from The Hobbit that Smaug had and then they surfed on it. That's the second time we've referenced that specific scene on the podcast. Are you talking about like the really poorly animated? Yes. Like melting? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah, yeah. The yeah, melting yeah. gold. It was the a weird gold. texture. Yeah. Although to be fair, like who among us has seen that much molten gold to know if it was unrealistic or not right you know you just get a feeling sometimes i think that you know what i think is actually cheese in the movie they just didn't say (laughs) it's like you know in last jedi where if they just included a scene where they had like in last jedi where they're on the salt planet and then the guy like licks it and goes (laughs) salt it's salt yeah yeah if one of the dwarves had just been like huh cheese and then it's some some good yeah that's my dwarf (laughs) accent oh gruyere is a hard accent to say in a scottish gruyere it's I a bit of Gouda. <laughs> what would have been really fun is if one of the dwarves had just been like completely silent throughout the whole film. And then at that right. exact moment, he tastes the cheese and he goes, Zutalo is Gruyere. <laughs> and you find out he was French the whole time. The whole time. and But he was self-conscious about it. So he didn't yeah. speak up. There is a dwarf like that. I think there's multiple dwarves in the movie that don't speak. But I remember there's one specifically where his thing is that he doesn't speak because he's like uh, traumatized. And this is dark. But yeah. No. Okay. Oh, really? He, Oh. He's a he's a toy maker. He was a toy maker who lost the ability to speak. He had an accent, like he hit his head or something. What? <laughs> he couldn't speak. And his toys started to get like dark and like twisted. This sounds like a B-list <laughs> Batman villain. Literally. But it's one of the I should look this up. I could be entirely making this up. Yeah, okay. So in the movie The Hobbit, Biffer, he has an axe in his head. Yeah. I, during the movie? Yes, that's his character design is that he has an axe head buried in his forehead. What? I don't remember this. I mean, he doesn't get like a lot of close ups, I don't think. So I think they don't show his bangs. (laughs) Well, they I mean, it's visible. Like if you Google a picture of him, but they definitely don't linger on it. Biffer. Okay. We're this is actually pause. my this is actually my dwarf OC that was not really. <laughs> I <laughs> this should have been made the star up this whole backstory. This is but, the real king under the mountain. Okay, okay, here we go. I found the Hobbit wiki. Biffer was a very intelligent dwarf before his axe incident. However, he <laughs> lost some of his wits. That's what my Wikipedia page is going to say one day. This is word for word from the Hobbit film wiki. However, he lost some of his wits after an orc stroke him down in the head with an axe. Stroke him down? <laughs> Though rendered feisty and inarticulate, Biffer has a good heart. It doesn't say anything about him being a toy maker, but that was on the other page. It did say that he he had, was a toy maker. So maybe okay. the whole thing about his... I swear to God, I read a book, though, where they said the stuff about the toy maker and his toys becoming dark as after he got the axe in his head. Um, I've just discovered a baffling picture of Biffer from DeviantArt done oh, by no. 
Dory the Dwarf. It's not baffling in the sense that it's like a sexual picture or anything. Oh, that's it's immediately just, where my mind went. It's just his head photoshopped onto like a businessman's body. Oh, I see it. He's dapper. But why? He's wearing a a stylish, I'd say an Italian suit with a uh, orange red tie. Orange is a bit. It's a bit tacky, but it it is the nicest part of his appearance. But like, <laughs> it's just his head. It's just the actor's head and beard photoshopped onto this body. And I just want to know why. Who is Dory the Dwarf? Are there any comments? Yeah, maybe we. Let's, it's let's... loading very slowly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Enough about Biffer, the traumatized toy maker. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to Starstrum. Oh my god. Oh, uh, update. There's zero comments on this. Okay. Well, no one on the internet knows what this person was thinking or has any thoughts on it. I have several thoughts, but we're not going to get into it right now. (laughs) Welcome back to Starstrum. (gasps) I know. No. Is that what you're guessing at? No, I'm not going (laughs) to show you any of the other images on this person's deviant art. There's a lot going on there. We will circle back. Put a pin in it. Put a pin in it. Welcome back to Starstrum. What a weird thing to say. I've gotten so used to Star Darskar, and now it's Starstrom, and my world is shaken. It's literally. Forever ch- it's forever changing, just like our world. Just like how we changed the name of Earth at start <laughs> 2020. Just how Earth I is mean, called. Technically, we do do that. There's lots of names for Earth, depending on what language you're speaking. That's true. That's true. Um, perhaps these are all different names in different languages spoken in this world. That's a fun thought to ponder over. But. Oh, no, absolutely. You're totally right. Or at different times. Yeah. Yeah. yeah all our Dragon's Den names have bearing in this world, which they I could really be like. Canon. Yeah. And, to- so does, and of course, Topping Tolkien also does. Yeah. It's the name of several establishments in this world, as well as <laughs> uh, a popular chain of coffee shops. Oh, I don't know about that. Well, Topping? Yeah, you put Topping. A, fo- a foamy, on a foamy top. A foamy. Anyways, that's also going to be on my Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, today we're tackling monsters. Just one with me and Ben, no guests today. A quick kind of rundown, some throwing out some ideas for monsters in our world. What monsters live in our world? Where do they come from? How do the people of our world interact with them? And uh, maybe come up with some fun twists on some familiar monsters and maybe come up with a few brand new ones that will surely become as iconic as... Your dragons, your orcs, your beholders, yeah, etc. But first, before we get to today's quest, we're back with Dragon's Den. Back from the commercial break, Dragon's Den is on the television again, and there's a brand new dragon in in the house, and it's no, it's me. Oh yeah, sorry, <laughs> I, I forgot. You're the who lowly. The are. You're, the, you're the lowly entrepreneur. 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 That's right. And I am the mighty dragon. You may present your pitch. All right. So um, I put a lot of thought. You're not going to say hello, dragons. Oh, sorry. Hel- hello, dragons. By the end of this, you're going to be in love with this new name. Let me tell you. I'm just going to say it. Yeah. The new name is Novumbra. Ooh. I'll repeat that. Novumbra. This is a departure. It is a departure. I decided to try something a little bit different, looking uh, at the words Nova and Umbra. I like that it was a big swing. I like that you are being a bit more creative than I was with like my sort of repetitive star names. <laughs> of course, I'm, I'm sure that one of the issues that you detected is that it sounds a lot like November. That was... Which- it's not Something a bad thing. I, I like yeah. I, November. I like as a word. I think it's a great one of my favorite month names for sure. Do you rank your favorite month names? Yeah, sure. Number one, November. Number two, <laughs> December. Number three, October. Number four, <laughs> I don't, August. Number five. Oh, what the hell's wrong with September? You did all the other embers. Oh, I do. I, you're right. I like September more than August. I like all the embers. Okay. Here's my thing. I thought we weren't going to go with a name that ended in A. Going back to the very first episode where we first named our world Starscar, one of our caveats was no A names. That's right. I had forgotten that. But I have a simple a- fix. Let's just call it November. I thought of that. It, I like it better. But now it just sort of sounds like an English country peasant saying the word November. <laughs> but is that not the oh, vibe the that we're going down in November? <laughs> or maybe a new feat, I'll say. Unless you can come up with another variation, I, I'm definitely out on November and I'm out on November, but I like the direction that you're going in. Okay, let me hit you with this. Sure. If we combine 
if we're thinking about like the fires from the stars as yep. well mm-hmm. as the Nova itself, Nova yep. Ember. That was a joke. So yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, I was thinking about it and I was like, like a dash, like what's the <laughs> It's a little harder than it looks, huh? Yeah, I think we take this one out back and shoot it. Ooh. Sorry. That's just like they do in Dragonstone. (laughs) Shall we uh, hop into monsters? Yes, let's get down to today's quest. Okay. It's monsters. Let's set our timer. It's monsters, fellas. It's monster, monster, that's the monster mash. It's the monster mash. Let's get into it. Uh, uh, monsters. I I very much enjoy talking about monsters. I write a lot about monsters. I read a lot about monsters. I, I have a lot to say on this subject, uh, Good. but did you did you have something that you wanted to start with? Just as a recap of what we talked about so far in terms of monsters, we talked about um, many monsters being created by the Starfall and mm-hmm. animals and people being mutated by it or or corrupted. Um, I don't want to say mutated. I watched The Witcher recently, which oh. actually is very interesting in terms of monsters. I'll, maybe I'll talk about it a bit later, but they kept saying the word mutant and mutate in it. And mm-hmm. it bothered me. And there's no reason for it to bother me. It's fantasy. like, But it just, it feels like a sci-fi word to me. Mm. And when they were like, you're a mutant, Witcher. Like, Geralt, <laughs> you're, a, you're a mutant. I expected, like, Patrick Stewart appears and he's like, I have a school for you, Geralt. <laughs> you're like us. Uh, so I want to say that maybe people were corrupted or they were changed or they were. Mm-hmm. We could uh, call them corruptions would be a better name. I think. Ooh, for like the people who are turned into monsters, their corruptions. I like yeah, that. Corruptions rather than mutants. Yeah. So we talked about that as being an origin of monsters. We also talked about there being older monsters that mm-hmm. were maybe freed by the Starfall or awoken. Yes. Yeah. I mean, getting it like watching The Witcher and then I'm now actually reading the first book. I, I really like the Witcher's approach to monsters. And and I think it's a similar approach that a lot of kind of dark fantasy works have, which is like a lot about kind of folklore-esque monsters. They come out of curses, like very specific conditions create them, um, you know, like when when the full moon rises and uh, a person's buried with like a gold coin or whatever, like that kind of, you know. Yeah. Sometimes D&D, there's such a huge variety of monsters that it feels like we're not getting like a unifying aesthetic or idea of what yeah. of what monsters are and you might be fighting you know like a giant one day and the next day you're fighting like a dinosaur or you know yeah. like a, ro- a robot or whatever and i want to have variety as well but i also definitely i, I like kind of the some keeping with an aesthetic yeah yeah sort maybe of? an aesthetic yeah. or yeah some or maybe even shared rules about monsters would be cool yeah not shared weaknesses necessarily no no not something that no. works for everything necessarily but that Maybe, yeah, I mean, in, in games like Monster of the Week, right, or and in The Witcher, right, there's the idea that all monsters have a weakness, right? There's some way that you can defeat a monster or make it easier to defeat them or even just drive them away. Yeah, I definitely like that. I'd be definitely interested in, in creating a more cohesive monster system. E- ecology system, Ecology, yeah. ooh. But what are your thoughts? I'd like to hear about what your hot takes are about monsters. Well, I am currently in the midst of working on a master's in creative writing. Because I write uh, a lot of horror and I write a lot of, of speculative fiction sort of stuff, I have been reading a lot about different monsters. I read uh, Nathan Bollingrud's book, uh, North American Lake Monsters, which was a very oh, cool. Yeah, it was a very interesting take on some classic monsters and classic monster dynamics. Uh, I'll give you a for instance. There's a vampire one that was kind of interesting. It all revolved around the rules of of vampires being allowed in, onto premises mm. uh, through invitation. So there was a vampire who was essentially trapped underneath a house, which was kind of out in the boonies, and so there was nowhere That's to cool. hide. From, from the sunlight, he was essentially trapped underneath the house and they wouldn't invite him in. So he was trying all sorts of trickery to try and get into the house. I like those like those old rules regarding monsters too that yeah, people overlook. Cool. Like because vampires, an old rule that people don't think about with vampires is like they're they kind of operate by fairy rules as well. In, oh, interesting. In, in I didn't know that. Yeah, in, in that like if you spill grain in front of them, they have to stop and count it all. Oh, yeah, the counting one. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, that's where the count comes from, I think. Yeah, that is. Yeah, I think so. 
monster folklore uh, often gets watered down, oftentimes for good reason, because it's very it gets very complicated right. and and redundant in a lot of cases. But I, I like when people are able to take a closer look at, at like the, the lesser known powers of, of different creatures and things like that. Cool. So I don't know. How do you want to approach this? Do we want to jump right into maybe the table of many things? Or we actually had another idea today that we might roll and kind of flip to a random page in the D&D monster manual and see how we can change or, or twist around or uh, recontextualize a monster from D&D. But we're, yeah, it's a bit of an atypical episode in that respect. One. Well, well, let's talk about vampires. I wanted to talk about dragons. Okay. And then we can talk about corruptions as well. And then we cool. can get into monster manual slash table of many things. All right. Vampires, we know that they are intelligent. We know that they gather into covens or I think we broods. We had a whole conversation <laughs> about what those are called. Yeah. We know that they have like a homeland in this world and that some of them have left to go occupy the halflings. First things are vampires' corruptions. Were there vampires before the Starfall? I like to think that there were... Well, I mean, vampires can live for a very long time, so they yeah. could certainly could be, there could have been less, maybe like individual, very ancient vampires who are sort of relics of, of another age. Mm -hmm. And then with the Starfall, they have more opportunity and maybe motivation to grow their numbers and their power and sire more vampires. I like the idea that the vampires beforehand were more of like a... Um click i guess would be the word <laughs> sure. in that maybe they didn't interact with society so yeah, much they were isolationist sure yeah uh but maybe this new colonial attitude is sort of sprung out of a few vampires desire to go out and conquer yeah. So why why were they isolationist? Presumably it wasn't out of like more any kind of morality or well maybe it was or was it safety like had they been like hunted into into hiding? I'm kind of into the idea of moral vampires too, like vampires okay. who don't necessarily want or need to feed on humans. Yeah, or is that silly? I don't know. No, I think it's interesting what makes some vampires moral and others not though. Cuz that was something that bothered me about Buffy is that they made it clear that like vampires are evil because they don't have souls. And if you don't have a soul, you can't be a good vampire. And then later on, they were like, oh, but maybe Spike can be a good vampire <laughs> without a soul. <laughs> yeah. So we want to be consistent. I do. Yeah. I don't think it should just be like, like the evil vampires are evil just because they're like dicks. Like, yeah. I did a little writing on vampires long time ago now. It was all about vampires when they were first created, they were more monstrous. But as time went on, like... I was thinking of that too. Maybe older vampires are that you gain a certain level of control over your... I don't really like the whole vegetarian vampires thing, like, oh, or, oh mm -hmm. they just can, like, eat, like, pigs or whatever. Yeah. Like, suck pig blood. So maybe older vampires also feed on humans. Maybe they eat only to feed, like, they only eat when they're hungry to survive. And then, whereas younger vampires are more likely to do things like go out and sire more vampires and take <laughs> over take over cities and, you know, pillage oh, and like, that kind of thing. Like Vikings. Yeah. Yeah, I won't elaborate. <laughs> um, Viking vampires could be fun, too. So one thing that's always confused me about vampires is like, what would happen if they weren't able to feed? Right. Do they just shrivel up? Or Yeah, like, and I think the sometimes, mythology... Sometimes it's that they look young, and then when they don't feed, it shows how old and gross they are, right? That's true. But then that's what Dracula, happens with like a it? new vampire, you know? Does Dracula, right. is that happen? Oh, yeah, I guess you do tend to look more youthful the more blood you suck in, in Dracula. Yeah, I mean, youthful or less monstrous, right? Like, that could be it for younger, like, that they have kind of a monstrous appearance is, like, the true. that's the true vampire, but then if they drink blood, they're able to appear beautiful and human. Yeah, that could be a thing, like, youthful or less monstrous if you maintain a certain diet of blood. That's cool because that would mean that the, like, moral, the old moral vampires who are not feeding as often look the most monstrous. Like they're like the Nosferatu ass guys, mm -hmm. and and the young sexy vampires are look beautiful, but are that way because they're constantly feeding and killing people. That could be fun. So then the moral vampires are sacrificing beauty and an ability to you know fit into any society other than their own. A, a vampire one. Mm -hmm. Um, question for the moral vampires: Then, if they are an isolationist society, how are they getting their blood? Great question. Donation. <laughs> Maybe like, I don't know. Do they have are, are there any humans who live with them? Like, is it a thing where like a village or a town of humans and and they sacrifice someone? I don't know if that's too similar to what we have going with the halflings and and our new, our new vampires. I'm wondering even if 
this vampire society is isolationist, but it depends on outer kingdoms in order to provide blood. Interesting. So maybe not necessarily, like they can drink human blood maybe, but not, they don't kill the people like it's it's all by oh you think perhaps like caravans or something go through with blood for this kingdom i think vampires have to drink from a person maybe they don't have to kill them but they have to drink from a person okay okay what if other nations send like their criminals and stuff that's a that could work well what i was thinking was um somehow kingdoms are donating blood to this uh okay this vampire isolationist place but then in the aftermath of the starfall they're Number one, there's not there's not enough, perhaps. And number two, perhaps politicians uh, in these other kingdoms are like, well, we have bigger things to worry about. We have bigger things to worry about. We're not going to to bother with or that. Or maybe the roads, like maybe they can't get, they can't even like get the blood to them anymore or the people, so the sacrifices or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think that's cool. Like, yeah, kind of the this, they had a tentative tributary relationship because, yeah, I mean, if you were living right next to a nation of vampires, and if you, you know, it, you knew that if you gave them a certain number of sort of ne'er-do-wells a year, like of undesirables a year, you would stop them from, like, expanding. Mm-hmm. Um, so vampires are, are basically Australia. <laughs> yeah, kind of. That could be cool. Cool. And then, and then you go to the, the vampire isolationist place, maybe has escaped people like as people who were going to be sacrifices who escaped and they're like kind of on the run there that's cool too mm-hmm. i don't necessarily know if it's like a scary thing to be sent to the us like it's, it's obviously not desirable to have like to be bitten of course it's a scary thing but no i'm just saying like maybe you get there and they're like oh like please have a seat <laughs> <laughs> like we'll just be cycling through like it's kind of like a soup kitchen and they're like okay like there's five vampires for one person like don't take more like don't be greedy and then like after they like have some blood they're like okay take a cookie and a juice juice box and like just sit down for a little bit i think we're giving vampires too much credit now all right fair enough i think i think they're we're they're losing a bit of their fangs i don't know i like the idea that like you know one feeding doesn't necessarily kill a person but i think that it does, like, it's bad for you. It weakens you. Mm-hmm. And I think when they send people, like, the vampires want to get their person's worth. I, I I just don't see, when you get sent, I don't think you're coming back. Might not be, you're not killed instantly, but I don't think you're coming back. And I so in, and that reason, I feel like they have to be criminals or, or yeah, undesirable. But even the way. old moral vampires, they're cool with killing people. I mean, they have to eat, right? Like that they, and they don't want all the vampires to die, right? And so they've, this arrangement, I feel like, I feel like our moral vampires, they're moral for vampires, right? I don't think they're like stand up people necessarily. All right, all right. And I think that when you go, yeah, like the, I think they're, you know, the moral vamp, the older moral vampires are like, yeah, like this is all very civilized. Like, you know, maybe you did some things wrong. You're here now, but we're going to make, you know, your last days as 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 comfortable as we can while we slowly feed on you. Yeah. But it's the but the younger vampires are who you have to worry about as well. Yeah. Perhaps the older moral vampires are like, yeah, with with the starfall and everything going on, they're attempting to keep the peace in the vampire kingdom and like, oh, like they'll reopen the trade route soon. Like, don't worry. But the younger vampires are are more inclined to go out and yeah, I okay. like that. Yeah, okay. I like the idea that you have to feed more often when you're young, too. Mm-hmm. If you're going to maintain it. Yeah. That's good for vampires. Cool. I think that's good for vampires. Let's move on. Okay, I wanted to talk about dragons. Okay. Let me tell you about dragons. Okay. <laughs> so, uh, dragons are fun. And I like them a lot. And they're bestial. They're you know that? Bestial, yeah. But there's so many things you could do with dragons. So perhaps not yeah. all the dragons are bestial. I like the idea of big, dumb dragons. But then again... Yep. You know, clever dragons are very fun as well. Me too. I like. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm very happy with intelligent dragons too. I think it could be interesting if there are more intelligent, less intelligent dragons. But I don't know. Do we want to say that regardless of how intelligent they are, dragons can't speak? Okay. Yeah. 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 I think that's cool because then I don't know. Like I like. I. I you know. I like the whole like uh, Smaug esque like the dragon as like a villain because he can. He's intelligent and he can speak. Mm-hmm. I like that too, but I think it's also cool to have really intelligent dragons that don't communicate with humans. Either they can't or they would never. Like they 
it's so beyond them. I was going to say, I think it makes them scarier because they're they're more alien, right? They're, there's a mm-hmm. distance. You can't really like relate to them in any way or reason with them. Yeah, like on Avatar. They don't talk or communicate with people, but they have, there's like a certain level of wisdom and understanding that they're understood to right. have. I was going to say, I have a student who reads uh, Wings of Fire. <laughs> what is Wings of Fire? Okay, so Wings of Fire, it's like, it's a YA like fantasy book uh, revolving around a prophecy. It's by one of the authors who wrote the Warrior Cat series. Oh. oh, oh. Yeah, so, but it's dragons this time. Yeah, it's like seven dragon babies who are brought together as eggs and then they're trained in order to end this war. Right. Um, that's this dragon war that's going on. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like a conceptual world where like it's all dragons running around. <laughs> like it's just an all dragon society. And then my student's like, no, there are humans in this world too. The dragons just don't understand them and frequently hunt and eat them. And they don't have any power in the society either. Oh my god, this is a YA series. This is a where YA the, series where like where the I humans think the main are treated characters as like too cow. are just e- eating humans just as snacks. <laughs> like it's completely inconsequential. That was just a baffling concept to me. That's hilarious. <laughs> I was like, why would you include humans in the setting at all? Like it's all about it's the dragons. Like your fun, youthful dragon characters are bantering as they just chow down <laughs> on that old lady and like her bones crack under their jaws. I don't know if that necessarily is a scene but like it is crazy to me that you'd include humans in a society where it's all talking dragons <laughs> that's so as funny. just a snack food but anyway yeah i'm totally down for dragons not being able to communicate i wanted to talk about different types of dragon yes there's a lot of different uh, types of dragon that you can go with and like totally. obviously if you look in the D monster manual there's like a lot they classify them mostly by different colors of dragon yeah there's chromatic and metallic yeah mm-hmm. exactly So, and depending on that, like there's different kinds of breath that they have, ice breath, fire breath, lightning Mm -hmm. breath, acid breath, stuff like that. That's fine. I more or less want to talk about the different styles of dragon in folklore though, okay? because there's a lot of variety in folklore too. So like there's your classic Western dragon Mm -hmm. with four legs and wings, which breathes fire. That's like your standard type of dragon, I guess, in media nowadays, Mm -hmm. Um, Western media, I should say. But then you got like things like your wyvern. Which I really like as a dragon design. That's wings. Wings and back legs. Like a bird style or a pterodactyl. Like a pterodactyl, yeah. So those are good. Uh, drakes, which don't have any wings. They're just big lizards. <laughs> right. Stupid. <laughs> All right, then. Teach their own. <laughs> Take that, Drake. And then worms, which I'm a huge fan of. Just, just big, big snakes, ass right? worms. Like a basilisk, yeah. Do they fly still? No, I don't think they do. I'm looking at the uh, dragons fandom page right now and there's some <laughs> other ones on here that i haven't i haven't listed so yeah there is the the traditional uh asian dragon which are generally very intelligent and often good right. as well which is a distinction from western dragons um so anyway there's a lot of variety of dragon here did we want uh particular styles of dragon in our world yeah i don't know i, th- I think it would be cool to have different styles do we want to make them different like there's one type that is dragons and there's other type that is something mm-hmm. else like i think D differentiates them between dragons and wyverns like yeah. they're the same they're related but they're not yeah. the same species i'm a huge fan of worms so i'd like to have worms are worms dragons though in our world or <sighs> are co- they cousins big big, they're snakes. big snakes okay they can I'm be okay. cousins right yep um western dragon are we including that Love it. Cool. Wyverns? Sure. You don't like drakes? No, it's a big lizard. But like, it can why, be fire. Why? It's a big, it's just a big lizard, baby. It's, it's just... not a dragon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Like, we have big lizards in our world, right? Like, we're not saying like, big. oh, look, it's a drake. Yeah, I know. And obviously they look like dragons, like there's particular design. But when I found out what a drake was, I was like, that's, I hate that. <laughs> that's fair. I think dragons are definitely, and maybe they're, ilk are definitely pre-starfall monsters like ancient ancient mm-hmm. creatures definitely i don't think i don't think anyone's getting corrupted into a dragon That's, no yeah. and i like the idea of them having been awoken right too. yeah like no one's seen a dragon in however many years until until after the starfall and now it's just a huge problem now everybody <laughs> nowadays has to deal with dragons waka waka let's come up with kind of a backstory so if we're saying dragons wyverns worms right those mm-hmm. are our main three Sure. Can we can we give them some kind of story of how uh, some mythology of where of why those three sort of split off besides like evolution? 
a wizard named Darwin. If you don't have any ideas, we can <laughs> we can save that for our dragons episode. Well, do you have any ideas? Um, I don't know. Like maybe if we want to say, I don't know if they were created by a god that they were like three brothers or three siblings. Oh, oh, like like yeah. I like the idea that they're enemies. They're enemies of each other. Like if a western dragon and a worm see each other, it's on sight. Yeah, literally. Okay. They're throwing hands. <laughs> I mean, that makes sense, right? Like, if you have predators in the same area, then they're going to fight yeah. each other. Yeah, well, I feel like that's something that people have observed happening, and maybe mythology has sprung from that, that, oh, they they are this. Maybe it was like a thing, like, they were three siblings that were competing for, like, their their fathers or their parents' attention, and they were, like, the European dragon was awarded with four legs and wings, Whereas, and then the wyvern was cursed to have less legs and like only have two legs and wings. And then the worm was, was cursed to have no legs and no wings. It's like a fucked up biblical story. Yeah, literally. Yeah. I think this is cool. Is that is that necessarily what happened, or is that just the legend? Maybe that's just the legend. Okay. Yeah, I'm into that. The three, the story of the three brothers. Is that two, three brothers, three, three sisters? It's always three in folklore. You can say that. Okay, I think that's good for now for dragons. We'll put a pin in that. We'll come back to that in another episode. And then we wanted to talk about corruptions. I think corruptions should all have a weak, should all have weaknesses, different weaknesses. Ooh, yeah. And maybe maybe some shared ones. I don't know. Should all have weaknesses um, possibly shared? I'm into that. And I like this because they're new creatures, so people have to learn like these weaknesses. Yeah. Yeah, it's like the lore is actively developing as people encounter new corruptions and probably misinformation is flying around like crazy. Like maybe people, someone defeated a corruption and they don't even know exactly how they did it. So they think like, oh, like I, I had an apple in my pocket. like <laughs> Just like old timey medicine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sick. Okay. Someone was like, I defeated this thing with my silver dagger. It must be vulnerable to silver. And it's like, no, it's because you stabbed it in the heart. Or <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I'm totally into that. That's cool. This might be getting into the table of many things a little bit, but I was speaking to my husband and he mentioned the concept of some sort of thing that would extract, like some sort of people or or monster that would extract star stardust from other monsters. Oh, damn. That's cool. Like a stardust vampire? Yeah. Kind of like that. Like it eats magic kind of? Or is it yeah, actually magic. stardust? Some, yeah. some sort yeah. of some sort of su- sucking fiend. That would cool. extract magic, in, possibly in the form of stardust, possibly magic in general. But that could be another yeah. way of like decorrupting. Oh, oh! So you're saying it actually it turns the person back to? Maybe that seems too easy, though. No, I mean that's cool. That's cool, especially if it does it not out of like goodness, but because it, it you know it eats the stuff. So then like there's a corruption in your <laughs> your neighborhood, and then the <laughs> who the, you're gonna call? And then the magic this magic sucker comes along and sucks it. <laughs> yeah. And then it's and then it's the Miller's son again. Oh but, no. But now you've got this magic sucker in your neighborhood and it's more powerful than it was before because it sucked up all the magic. Yeah. And maybe that causes its own problems. Perhaps the corruption um manifests on it in a specific way too. So Yeah. I I think it would be cool if corruptions are like the very like folklore yeah, like in the woods kind yeah. of a creepy crying woman, like that kind of thing. Yeah, I like that crying woman in the woods who then just has to book it the fuck out of there because there's a bigger thing coming after because there's a magic sucker it's like la llorona <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. so she's she's just running i just imagine somebody this is not the same as sucking magic from someone but i just imagine <laughs> la llorona and someone just drop kicks her out of nowhere <laughs> okay i think that's good we're at the 20 minute mark so should we get into monster manual yeah slash... let's roll a little bit let's flip a little bit let's roll first okay 20 20 we're talking about snake women (laughs) (laughs) so so much asmr snake women (laughs) that was submitted by jasper snake women does it mean a person it's a woman and then she's got the body the bottom half of a snake i don't know could be a few things you could have her bottom half as a snake you could have her top half as a snake (laughs) (laughs) she's walking around it's just legs (laughs) legs with a snake body i've seen like lindworms are things they have like human faces but they're snake bodies oh that's so creepy or you could hate that yeah i know it's horrible but um or you could have a medusa type figure as well are these corruptions it seems like they could be right because they are sort of women there it was a human once maybe Mm -hmm. yeah yeah, I really like the idea of those being corruptions. Are we saying snake bottom half? Are we saying person face and snake body? I kind of like that. Person face with snake body? Yeah. Sure. 
It's I so gross highly, and weird. I highly doubt that was what Jasper had in mind. <laughs> but I do like it nonetheless. Person face with snake body. I'm just going to try Google picture snake with human woman face. <laughs> I think Lindworm would, would bring up something because I read, I found a very creepy picture um, while reading a fairy tale the other day about a Lindworm. Are we calling these snake women Lindworms? Linda worms. <laughs> so let's call them Lindworms for now. Are they... What, why does a woman become a lindworm? Well, not surely not all the women in a certain area became lindworms. Does it have to be just women, too? I mean, the prompt is for ladies, snake ladies, but maybe not necessarily. Perhaps this was like a snake cult, because there are a lot oh. of those in in, okay. in antiquity. Perhaps a particular snake cult was hit by uh, pretty pretty devastatingly by the stardust, and they, they were corrupted. That's an interesting idea. But does that mean there's a whole bunch of them, like in one place? <laughs> yeah, they're all just living in the same pit. Like, I definitely, I kind of see these as being like the village is haunted by a lindworm. By one of these. Yeah, no, yeah. I do like that too. Why would someone turn into a snake though? They're just full of, they're just gossipy. Ooh, well, yeah, that feels a bit gendered. <laughs> <laughs> if you're a gossipy woman, you become a lindworm. <laughs> that could be the reasoning that townsfolk give. That people give, yeah. right. But what is the real reason? What's their weakness? Maybe do, oh, yeah. What is their we... weakness? Okay, so in the Prince Lindworm story that I read, his weakness was if you get him to shed enough skin... Oh, that's cool. Uh, ...then there's a human underneath. Interesting. So what causes him to shed his skin? Okay, so the fairy tale went that he wouldn't... There's a whole convoluted backstory wherein he's the elder twin of a set of royal babies that everyone forgets about until it's time for... The... Oh, my God. Twins. A twin becomes a Lindworm and eats the other twin. Oh, that's good twins twins he's trying to okay yeah so this guy yeah the lindworm is preventing his younger brother from getting married until he has a bride himself and then he eats mm -hmm. two consecutive brides in a row and then just keeps demanding more and so a shepherd's daughter is brought in because he's eaten two princesses and she's disposable but she figures out with the help of a witch that if she gets him to shed enough skin and then there's another bit where she like she she whips him with lye she like dips a whip into lye and like <laughs> hits him with it and then washes him all over with milk and then oh. and then hugs him real tight and then he turns back into a human. <laughs> so like you could fit that in. I kind of like just the idea yeah. of like enough skin shed. Right. Okay. Like if you sort of if you're are you fighting it and then you are kind of like you're skinning it there's <laughs> a person. Let maybe you get more specific. Maybe you turn into a lindworm when the starfall hit if your twin is married and you are not. Yeah, um, I was gonna say if you just get it into like real dry conditions, it starts to get a little chapped. <laughs> the skin just starts peeling off. It could, um, you know, shed its skin at a regular cycle, like a regular, like a snake does, and then that's the time to to kill it. Yeah. right? kill it or try and change it back, or try to change it back. Yeah, if you get if you get rid of all the snake skin, is it a normal woman again? Cool, I like that. That's perfect. Should I roll again? Cool. We can discuss that more, of course. Six. That would be carnivorous mermaids. Yeah. So we have mermaids. We have. Yeah. We have our head of the League of Nations. Yeah. Do you like that they're carnivorous? Do I like that they're carnivorous? I mean, this could be another dragon sort of situation, right? Wherein there's different kinds, and so there are more carnivorous mermaids in in certain folklore. Sirens, for example. Just because you're carnivorous doesn't mean you're a bad person. That you you're a bad person. I mean, we're, we're, I mean, I eat meat. Do you? <laughs> eat other humans i eat sailors <laughs> that that are lost at sea <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that i know it's bad for the environment anyways i like the ideas of mermaids as predators of the ocean though that's cool mm -hmm. it could be like, they're like humans right they're pack they could be pack hunters of the ocean intelligent pack hunters yeah the sea wolves i'm just like okay so do you think longer exposure to stardust would turn them into more monstrous or oh right did mermaid well we yeah we did have the idea of mermaids of the mermaid at league of nations having once been a person a person mm -hmm. right? we did have that idea so maybe yeah mer maybe mermaids are corruptions then too yeah that makes kind of sense to me as well so maybe they are they were people who that could be a, a locational thing right so there was everyone who lived at a certain you know seaside yeah. community was turned into mermaids yeah slowly though that was we had thought of that too. That he he's the people over time. The people who are, yeah over time like you the scales form and yeah one day your freaking legs are gone and you have to drag yourself into the into the ocean. Yeah, I think there's a Lovecraft story like that too. Actually, 
Yeah, that's kind of Innsmouth vibes, I yeah. think. Yeah. So yeah, location-based, they can be intelligent pack hunters. Um, certain towns perhaps form the pack once they're all transformed. Do you change mentally? Like, do you maintain your humanity? You have the memory of a goldfish and the hunger of a shark. <laughs> I like the hunger of a shark part. Yeah. Um, I think that, do you maintain your humanity? Yes, but then what would drive you to being carnivorous? I mean, you got to eat something, right? Yeah, and sailors are just conveniently there. <laughs> are we going for more monstrous looking mermaids or more like... These definitely feel monstrous to me. I don't know, maybe they have their own kind of weird beauty, like if that's what you're into. Ooh, ethereal. <laughs> kind of very fish-like. Yeah. Maybe they have giant fish eyes. Yeah, oh, oh, I was going to say gills or something. Kind of like fish eyes, more migrated towards the sides of their head rather than right in the center. Oh, God. And gills. Yeah, maybe. And webbed fingers. And fins. And yeah, fins, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, we presume that our League of Nations leader, the merman, can't, you know, is, is still oh, there was a mermaid. relatively reasonable. Uh, whatever. I don't know. Wow. I didn't want to want us. Wow. Okay. Well, I don't remember. No, it's person. Okay. No, person. whoever it is. Some reasonableness. So, yeah, I mean, maybe it changes you, but you are still, you know, you still have control over your actions, mm -hmm. presumably. Maybe you hunger. Yeah. You, that could be cool. Or you have sort of strange you know, urges, but, and I mean, living, living underwater as a freaking marine person would change you, right? Yeah, definitely. You wouldn't necessarily have a connection with the land anymore and with the people living there. Yeah. Do you want to flip through the monster manual? See what you can Let's get? Let's flip through the monster manual. Yeah. Okay. You have the book, so right. maybe I'll, should I roll like a, how, how many, how many pages does it have? <laughs> <laughs> Okay. So 316 total. Can you roll a D 360? <laughs> should we just do a random number picker? I already got it. So I rolled a 289. On page 289 of the Dungeons and Dragons Monster Manual, you will find a treant, which is an awakened tree that dwells in ancient forests. Uh, and it sort of ties in with one of Mitchell's suggestions, which was for plant monsters. Yes. Which, Adrian, you said you're not a big fan of. Yeah, I think it's purely an aesthetic thing for me is just like, I like tree, like, you know, ants, like from Lord of the Rings, they're cool. But in terms of like a bad guy, like fighting like a big tree that's like trying to like hit you with its with its branches. Uh -huh. It just gives me very like Legend of Zelda vibes, like it or or like a Kirby boss. I think, there's <laughs> probably, I think there's I think there literally is an evil tree on both of those. Is there a way that we can revitalize a plant monster into something that you would more enjoy? Yes. And I think the way it would to do it would be give treants a really cool kind of backstory or something psychological or something that's some, some story to them that makes them really interesting. Ooh. So, I'm going to bring up <laughs> I'm going to bring up Pokemon. Please do. Uh, I will. There is a there is actually a tree-based ghost type Pokemon. Ooh. Phantump. It's a stump that is haunted by the ghost of a child. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Let's do that. <laughs> well, Pokemon did it first, so I don't want to rip them off, but you could have things like that, like a, a forest maybe that collects the souls of children. Yeah. Oh, God. Are these enemies that you have to fight? I mean, we can decide. I don't know. We can decide. Yeah. If they're, are they evil or not? Or are they sort of more like Ents that they, they can be friends? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps this is just in a specific area of the map that there's like a forest where the souls of children go for whatever reason. Maybe they the, the town's tradition is that they bury their children in the forest. And like over time, this has oh, just yeah. become a haunting ground for children and if they oh. want to interact with the physical world they have to use the trees that's really cool so wait is it like one child per tree or is it like a network of child souls is controlling the whole forest <laughs> like they they group up like there's 20 kids in one tree unlimited well, power no, we're thinking it's like a high is it like a hive mind kind of a you know i like the idea that it's that when your kid dies you go into the forest and you bury it beneath a tree mm -hmm. and then after the star fall the kid's soul inhabits the tree oh yeah that would be yeah yeah yeah. one kid yeah. per tree okay i think that's crass to bury it you know what though it's so old maybe this forest that every once in a while they just forget <laughs> yeah and then suddenly the kids have a new roommate <laughs> oh god there must be enough trees for like how many dead kids are there in this maybe the, the plague was a horrible time for everybody of course no i mean ch like childbirth you know, mortality rate and everything. Absolutely. I like this because usually I feel like tree ants and like awakened tree type monsters are sort of old men vibes. They right? are old they men are. vibes because everyone's like, oh yeah, they're so old. But I like that these are kids. Mm -hmm. So then maybe some are nice and some are like ghosts, right? Like some of them are pissed off about being dead. 
Yeah, some of them are pissed off about being dead. Some of them are just content. And then, like, perhaps if travelers were coming through and weren't aware of this forest and maybe were, like, attacking a tree or something. Cutting down trees, yeah. There could be some consequences for that as the other trees gang up yeah. to protect. Do they maintain their child mind? Like, do, yeah. or do, like... Ghosts would, right? Right. Yeah, I suppose so. I was going to say, there could be some interesting situations in where, like, if you bury two kids under one tree, like, they're kind of fighting for control of the tree. Perhaps the tree starts to split in the middle, like the trunk. Yeah, I was going to say it's sort of two-headed. Yeah, Yeah. and maybe if other things are buried in this forest, like, there could be, like, corrupt sort of trees in there as well. Maybe the the children's ghosts are like, we don't go to that part of the forest. Right, like, there's lots of, in D&D, there's lots of different like plant type monsters mm-hmm. right there's like i don't remember what they're called but there's like uh, they're not called twiglets but that's definitely what i'm thinking <laughs> there's like smaller ones like wood yeah, yeah, lights yeah. and that kind of thing so maybe those are like animal souls in plants or something i don't know there was something i was reading about about uh changelings oftentimes it was practiced that you would take a changeling into the forest and leave it at the base leave it in the forest somewhere for the fairies to come back and get them like this was this Ooh. was human practice in in other right. times so Perhaps if a changeling baby is left, that could lead to a particularly oh, yeah. dangerous tree. That's what I was going to say. Or in general, just like I feel like it's the baby tree. Like the baby soul trees are like the, the most volatile monster ones because they were betrayed, right? Yeah. Like they, and that happened in history too, right? Like kids who were unwanted for whatever reason, mm-hmm. right? Were left live into the forest yeah. to die. Betrayed babies, betrabies. <laughs> Those ones are the monstrous ones because they can't think even really, yeah. right? Their pure emotion and the last no. emotion that they remember is is the pain of abandonment. And then you have to decide if you want to punch that baby in the face. Yeah. Cut it up with your sword. <laughs> yeah. But it's going to squish you otherwise. That's true. Can they get out of the ground? Uh, and walk around? Mm, no. You don't think? I think maybe over time. The older the, the older the ghost, the more mobile the tree. Yeah, like they gain more control over the tree over that they live in over time, maybe. That would be actually terrifying. Yeah. Like wandering through a forest and you feel like a tree is following you. Oh god, yeah. That would be creepy. Never mind. I think no, I like that. I think over time I I like that idea. What's the name of this forest? I think because it could it could already have like a name that refers to the fact that people bury their dead kids there. Oh, I was gonna say it could be like the Changeling Grove or something. Mm. The Grave Grove. How about the Gravewood? The Gravewood. That's classic. That's yeah, maybe it's a bit too classic, but we'll say that for now. Sure. The Gravewood. It doesn't have anything to do with kids. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the Kinder Gravewood. Kinder Grave is a horrible. <laughs> <laughs> the Kinder Grove. Kinder Grove. Yeah. Well, put a pin in that. Yeah, put a pin in it. It's kind of cool. It's very German vibes. Yeah. Vibes Which... is the word of the day. Vibes. We're vibe. We're straight vibing. Cool. Put it in. A, let's do one more monster manual. Okay. Did you want to roll or should yes. I roll again? I. Well, no, you do it because you have it all set up. One, eight, five. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Hobgoblins. Nice. I am a big hobgoblin stan. <laughs> um, <laughs> I like them because in D&D, they're sort of more like Tolkien orcs where because like uh, D&D orcs and Tolkien orcs are a bit different in D&D they're much bigger and stronger they're kind of like orcs and they are green and stuff whereas hobgoblins I feel like at least that's how I imagine them they're this very warlike intelligent but still typically evil society that where they live for war whereas orcs are in D&D are more kind of rampaging pillagers hobgoblins Uh are an army or hobgoblins corruptions maybe that's the first thing Oh, I think they all have to be played by James Franco. <laughs> Is that? Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> Took me a second. That's a Spider-Man 3 reference, <laughs> baby. All right. Um, I don't think they're corruptions. No. Interesting. Because like gnomes were not corruptions, right? So why would, I don't know. Hobgoblins seem like a- Like a monstrous like a, culture. Right. Yeah. I mean, we had thought that maybe some of those monstrous cultures were corruptions, but it's up to you. Possibly. Well, what do you think? My first instinct is yes, that maybe they are. Yes, they are corruptions? Yeah, that they are a location-based one or something. Sure. What kind of location would produce a hobgoblin? I like the idea that maybe they were an army. Sure, yeah. An army that was on its way to war. and Yeah, or on its way back. Struck. Yeah. What do they look like? Yeah, I'm a fan of like the classic, like, like a... Tolkien orc like they're sort of shorter or they're human sized not bigger I like the idea of them being very varied of being very different like they all look kind of different because that's what the, like the... this was this was a gay army and they're just all sorts of colors 
I can say that. I'm gay. <laughs> rainbow colored? No, I don't know about rainbow colored. All the gross colors. Gross colors. Greenish, grayish, like putridish. Yeah. All the pu- pukey, pukey colors. Pukey green. Yeah. Greenish, grayish. I love um, classic green goblin. Yeah. I'm, I'm okay with that too. But yeah, but they're per- people sized, not, not little. Grayish, greenish. Yeah. People sized. Just buff, like just like ripped. ropey, like sinewy, like Ugh, sinewy, gross, ropey, massive, <laughs> not massive, shredded, <laughs> shredded AF. <laughs> what do they want? Has How has this corruption changed them other than physically? Well, it's interesting because if they were on their way to war, then that might explain like if they're bloodthirsty and they're just like a war. They're fighting. They're always fighting that force war. now. Yeah. yeah, they're always fighting a war that's never going to end. Um, versus if they are coming back from war, right? Then perhaps they're in the mindset that they, if they just win another battle, then they, then they can get home. That's so sad, but but good, good though, right? Good. No, I like that they are kind of this ragged retreating army because it gives their, that means their primary motivation is fear, and maybe the place where they were heading back to is gone, right? Like entirely, yeah, their home. Yeah, yeah. So it's fear and hurt and guilt yeah. too, probably at the things that they ha- had done. I like all that. Let's Should do another one really time? quick. Yeah, if we have time, really quick. Ah, 133. It's... Oh, no, it isn't. Oh, it's a fairy dragon. Oh, cool. Fairy dragons are cool. Cat-sized dragon with butterfly wings. Uh, Are these dragons in our world, or are they just... They happen to look kind of like dragons. They could be corruptions of insects. Yeah, that could be cool. That maybe don't look... Su- like, they kind of resemble dragons, and so people have taken to calling them fairy dragons. Or they could be created by magic, too. Like, fairy dragon seems like the kind of thing that, like, a wizard would make, could make. That's true, yeah. Created by magic. Cool. I don't think there's much to fairy dragons. Maybe not. Do they talk? It, they're invisible tricksters. It has a sharp mind, a fondness for treasure, and a puckish sense of humor. Oh, it says they speak They speak languages. They speak Draconic, Sylvan, and Elven so like, in D&D, so I guess. I think that's cool. I like them being made as kind of like familiars or pets by a wizard. and Yeah, a fun little pet to have. But yeah, that's mischievous good. and trouble-causing. Yeah. Puckish. That's probably why there's some of them out in the world, right? Because they escaped from their masters. Absolutely. I did roll the dice one more time. I'm just seeing what's on 297 in the last five seconds. Oh, it's vampire. Never mind. (laughs) Full circle. Full circle. Back to vamps. And uh, our duck is... Landed. All right. I think this was reasonably productive. I think so. We have a variety of monsters. I think we could do another monster episode. Absolutely. Easily. Yeah. We could dive into any of these monsters that we've established today. We could do, you know, flesh them out further. We could also sort of, as we start to do episodes about different places, we could start to figure out what monsters live in those places. Thank you for joining us uh, on another episode of Topping Tolkien. Consider the Tolkien topped. (laughs) That's our our new (laughs) outro catchphrase. (laughs) You can find us on Twitter, at ThisRealmPod. And there should be a pinned tweet on our Twitter that will say what topic we're currently accepting suggestions for so you can send those in you can tweet those at us you can email those to us at this pod at gmail.com please recommend the podcast to a friend if you would like or rate us on apple podcasts or anywhere else that you might listen to the show and remember it takes all traumatized toy maker dwarves to make a world. 